Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tim. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Howdy, dowdy. <laughs> it's me. Yes. Now, Tim, you have to promise me you can't make the same joke as you did on The Shining where you try and telepathically give me your, your thoughts. You can't do that <laughs> twice. You cracked that joke already. The ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made that clear. Uh, we are a horror movie podcast. Forget about that <laughs> <laughs> We're a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror films every week. We get together. Uh, we'll watch, you know, a movie, and we'll talk about it. Uh, we also go through <laughs> movie news, a horror movie news for the week. Uh, so we'll do that mm-hmm. first. There'll be a timestamp in the description if you want to jump ahead mm-hmm. to the movie discussion, uh, which this week, of course, is Doctor Sleep, the sequel mm-hmm. to The Shining, uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, who, of course, is a name that's popping up all over the place in the horror genre in the last, you know, two or three years. He's, he's he, he can't get rid of him. He's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Netflix shows, he- movie sequels, prequels, everywhere. Do you think uh, a lot of people were upset they couldn't get uh, Kubrick back? I was upset. Yeah, I I really wanted Kubrick to come back. I I think Kubrick directing this as a ghost would have been perfectly on point for the for the story. Quite frankly, so. And before we start with the news as well, uh, I should also remind you that we have a, a sponsor in the show now. Tyler Hess is our Patreon sponsor at the ten dollar tier. So thank you to him. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, so we're going to have a doctor sleep later. Uh, we'll start spoiler free, of course. We'll give you warning before we get to spoilers. But again, that'll come after the horror movie news. Timestamp in the description if you want to jump ahead to that. Uh, but it's always worth going through the news. There's usually some interesting stuff. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's where we get the most animated version of Tim because he gets really excited about things. Um, <laughs> Whenever I hear about uh, some person I didn't remember from the first Halloween movie <laughs> is coming back, I just, I'm, I'm bouncing off the walls. <laughs> To be fair, we've not had one of those in like three weeks. So I mean, I think that's <laughs> officially. I think because they're shooting the movies like now, like we're, we're done with those announcements. I don't think we can have any more. Yeah, I, I think they've also just run out of people. I think <laughs> the, you know the first Halloween movie is not like the biggest cast list. Mm. Yeah, the catering who did catering for the first movie is back doing catering for the new movie. That, that'll be the next story. <laughs> Maybe they'll have like some of the like people that died in the first one. Be like, hey, they're coming back as a corpse. We're gonna have a scene with all the corpses you know and love jamie lee curtis is having the exact same tuna mill that she had on set in 1978 because <laughs> the same caterer is back doing the job she came out of retirement this old caterer 95 years old <laughs> but yeah uh, so we agree to get into the news um we do, we do have a sequel to talk about just not a halloween sequel <gasps> so what yeah, I, I actually, I, I saw, I briefly saw this headline a couple of days ago, and I didn't click on it because I was like, oh god, what? Uh, so this is actually going to get a raw reading of whatever this story actually is. Ooh, give it to me, raw. So Gary Barber, everyone knows Gary Barber, yeah, the legend he is. Uh, <laughs> his uh, Spyglass Media Group is currently mm-hmm. developing okay. Scream Five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I heard about this. Mm. Um, cool. I guess. Uh... <laughs> My first question would be, uh, why? <laughs> what is the point of this? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. Although, it's, it's, I mean, I say Scream 5, because I saw one headline call it that. I think it may end up being a reboot, because yeah. not only, like... Because the, the, the four movies all kept in continuity, but here's the thing. Wes mm-hmm. Craven directed all four of those. Not that that meant they were all mm-hmm. good, in fact. Arguably, only the first one is really worth, uh, worth your time. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, he of course passed away, so we can't have any more Wes Craven. Which to me is like just let it stay dead. Like, like you know, it's done. Like yeah. But and 
Yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, at least for me personally, I think it's yeah perfectly fine leaving it as it is. It's not something I really crave more of. I I, I we haven't done the fourth one on the show yet, but I do remember you know not thinking the fourth one was that bad. I, I don't know. I'm interested in revisiting it, but honestly, um, like from my memory, it may be the best of the sequels. But we'll see if that holds up in my head when we actually yeah actually watch it but uh i'll just say to that soon yeah <laughs> soon but uh yeah i mean if they are gonna do something i actually probably would want like maybe uh um maybe a full-on reboot or well uh, i mean i guess maybe you don't really actually have to do a reboot because it's like you know uh, it, it's enough of a premise where if you can just get a dude or well a person or whatever in the mask, um, calling people and asking horror questions. Like that's kind of all I want. Like, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like connected in all the past, like continuity and, and stuff. But. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, I had, I almost had the same problem as saw where it ke- I kept trying to add more to the continuity that it got so convoluted yeah, yeah. and try to justify why things were happening, that it was just kind of ridiculous. I think the fourth one benefited a little bit because it was kind of playing on reboots and remakes and it was kind of, you know, yes, it was, it was so. almost playing on what it was doing as opposed to adding to the stab thing. Although, I do almost like the idea, though, of, like, doing, like, a mockumentary in the Scream franchise, right? Where it's a documentary about, like, a series of murders that happened during the production of, like, Stab 10. But we don't actually watch, like, a normal movie. It's, like, a documentary in hindsight, uh, yeah. interviewing people and talking about the murder. I don't know. There's something different. Yeah. <laughs> something well, that could actually be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't I be opposed to that. Uh, they've not actually said if it's going to be in or out of continuity yet, but I, if I was to guess... I mean, I, actually... This is what it's going to depend on. If if Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette are willing to come back, mm-hmm. then it'll be in continuity. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. <laughs> but if not, then it'll be. I don't know. No. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's always interesting when a uh, there's a new entry in a big franchise. So, uh, well, it's not necessarily something I maybe need to see. And you know, at least it's kind of interesting. Yeah, but hey, we'll we'll be all caught up though because we'll have done them anyway, so mm-hmm. we won't have to rush all four of them before it comes out. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have the fourth one done. Yeah, probably relatively soon, and then uh, I guess it's on to the TV show. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. No. Okay. All right. Never mind. No. <laughs> um, if I had to me, I have to do the uh, the Shyamalan, uh, the boy knockoff series that's coming to Apple uh, soon. <laughs> the, the servant or whatever. Yeah, because it's got a doll on it. So, I mean, if, if, if we're going to do a TV show, it's going to have to be that one. <laughs> hey, I might not be against that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, actually, the uh, the box office projections are in for Brahms the Boy 2, Tim. It's not looking good for your billion dollar break. I'm just wait. <laughs> I want you to be prepared for the fact that it may only make eight hundred million dollars worldwide. Okay, I think it'll be. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't count it out yet. You know, actually, I think this January. Um, well, I, I, I guess wait, boys, in uh, February, right? February. As is, okay. um, what was the trailer I got? Uh, the theater today because I, I, I literally just get back from seeing Doctor Sleep, and I got a trailer for something else that was in February. Um, it's a sequel, I, I, I think. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I was thinking of something in uh, January actually, because they uh, released the Color Out of Space uh, trailer, which I think is coming to theaters in January. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. big of a release it's going to be. Yeah, uh, that's not in the news like, today. That trailer, because Tim's already seen the movie, it felt pointless to yeah. talk about the trailer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I was like, uh, I mean, hey, with that and the grudge and then the boy in February, like start of the month, uh, you know, or the start of the year might be pretty strong for horror. Next yeah, year. although I think the grudge is awkwardly the start of January for you and the end of January for me, so I think it's just uh, too yeah. it's just too far apart that I don't think we can do it when it's in theaters. We're gonna have to wait for the home video. But. Uh, we'll see if when it gets close. If it's near, uh, maybe there's like some second run theater or something still has a few showings. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a chance to go see it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so stream. I'll probably see it anyway because I ain't gonna miss a grudge. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I'm you, just say, you think I'm gonna miss a grudge? Come on. I'm just gonna say this: if it sucks, then I'm going to no. I'm going to relish in the fact that you have to see it again when we go to review. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's always the risk. <laughs> That's always the risk, which is why I really ever do it. it. It takes a special movie for me to risk like going to see it, even though I can't review it for months, <laughs> because like the thought of having to watch a, a bad movie a second time within a few months is like depressing. <laughs> so <laughs> I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Uh, so. Uh, next up uh, and it's worth mentioning Spyglass are also behind the Dimension Hellraiser reboot written by David Goyer so they're uh, oh, in the sequel <laughs> slash reboot game right now uh, but speaking of sequels they, I think they should have uh, you know if, if they're going to be doing all these horror movies I think they should have like a specific division called Die Glass what? <laughs> Die Glass? Like yeah I think if your name is Spyglass and you're going to be doing horror movies, why not like have a very specific, you know, part of your company that focuses on the horror movies and, you know, it's right there. You can just call it Die Glass. Why not? I, I don't know. I'd like to think they can go with a better pun. Give me pun. Gary Barber on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed you remember his name, even even though it was only five minutes ago. Um, Are you kidding? It's a Barb's. <laughs> the barbs I, I think we can do better better than die glass as a pun off a of spyglass for the horror branch uh, well if uh maybe the listeners can send in their suggestions if uh you know if we find one that's better than die glass guess what you are the new co-host on the show i'm leaving <laughs> and you can take over <laughs> Um, disclaimer: Tim is uh, joking that those those thoughts and opinions do not reflect the thoughts and opinions of Mailfuzz TV Incorporated or Streams After Midnight. <laughs> I do want to pull like a uh, a Willy Wonka and invite someone over to the Mild Fuzz Studios and just to <laughs> find my replacement. Yeah, Tim, don't 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 invite a bunch of kids to come to your house. I, I feel like it'll just end in, end in national tragedy. Uh, next up, anyways, you know what? Though, actually, no. <laughs> that would be a good like horror movie idea, like a horror version of Willy Wonka. That could be fun. Hmm. Yeah. Call call it Willy Wonka. <laughs> okay. It's not a. It's, I wasn't thinking of a sexy thing, but. <laughs> I think someone called Willy Wanker who lives alone and invites a bunch of kids to his house is scary. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, true, but I don't know. I think Wanker has a certain connotations for us over here in the U.S. <laughs> in the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wanker's not a phrase in the U.K., not at all. Um, all right. Can I finally move on to the second story, Tim? I mean, every time I've tried, every time I've tried... Mm. Tim, who says we have to be done by a certain time today, I'm going to milk this first news story for 15 goddamn minutes. Please. <laughs> the next news story. Speaking of sequels, although my segue is dead, I tried it like three times. Uh, <laughs> Paranormal Activity is coming yes. back. Uh, okay. So the last one was the 2015 The Ghost Dimension, which is actually right back at the start of this podcast, believe it or not. Uh, we will be celebrating our five-year anniversary next year. 
Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe something special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Maybe, maybe uh, they caress Tim in person, have a romantic, <laughs> romantic dinner. <laughs> You'll never have my address. <laughs> um, cool. I mean, again, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird one because it, it does feel like. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of paranormal sequels, but and for better or worse, you know, they kind of ended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I, I mean, like that, like they, they had like a specific story through line that feels very wrapped up. I don't know if like I'm, I'm not necessarily against it in another one, but um, yeah, I, I, I especially because that's an easy franchise where. Yeah, you just get like some more people that have paranormal stuff uh, acting in the house. I just. Uh, it feels like if they're gonna try to make it all crazy continuity connectedness, it, uh, it seems like that's a lot. <laughs> to go undertake. either way. Jigsaw kind of did that. Jigsaw <laughs> was intent and in tying it still to everything. But yeah. Um, yeah. So the news is we don't have any information about what the movie is. Is it a reboot? Is it going to be in continuity with the previous? Does it matter? Like, is it open ended? Like, yeah. yeah, it's in the same world if you want it to be. If it isn't, then it doesn't matter. Uh, but the news is is we have a date. Uh, they're going to release this new Permittivity film on March 19th, 2021. Okay. So, Paranormal 7 is coming. <laughs> Interesting. It's uh, just a little bit before my birthday, so that's cool. Um, yeah, is that, is I... that what you want for your birthday, though, Tim? Really? <laughs> is that what you want? Because I, I don't think it is. <laughs> that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I think the... Um, the only thing I kind of hope is that I do hope they keep it found footage because it would be it'd be weird if it you know deviates from that. And you know, in, in a weird way, I feel like I'm oddly kind of craving some found footage because it, it it feels like we're so bombarded with it at some point that it was like ugh, what you know, <laughs> whatever. And they're usually pretty bad, but I feel like we haven't gotten one in a while. It's like you know, I could go for a found footage movie now <laughs> why not i just saw all the uh hell house movies plus uh, grave encounters so i'm good for a while <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true <laughs> no word those mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it, it, it definitely uh, seems like that you know they don't make them as much uh, as they used to which you know <laughs> probably a good thing because again a lot of them were bad but there were some really good ones there yeah uh bloom house speaking of because they're obviously doing mm-hmm. productivity because they own that um, Fantasy Island, their their weird horror reboot of that TV show. Um, uh, the real news here is it's got a poster. This is coming out on February fourteenth, twenty twenty. So that's another February one. Oh wow, <laughs> Valentine's Day, obviously. Okay. Um, Lucy Hale's in this. She was in Truth or Dare. Michael Rooker's in there. Michael Pina, Charlotte McKinney, uh, a couple of others. Uh, Jeff Wadlow, who directed Truth or Dare, is doing it though. So I'm not thrilled. <laughs> uh, so the description yeah. we have here, which I'm sure we've read before, but the enigmatic Mr. Rourke, played by Michael Pina, makes the secret dreams of his lucky guest come true at a luxurious but remote tropical resort. But when the fantasies turn into nightmares, the guests have to solve the island's mystery in order to escape with their lives. Uh, the actual new thing here, though, which I just wanted to mention, is the poster, uh, which is is I'll 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 you know I'll put it on the screen. I'll remember and put it on the screen tomorrow <laughs> when I'm editing okay. this, uh, so people can see it. But it's uh, basically it's like a it's a bird's eye shot of like, the edge of an island, but the island makes the shape of a person's face streaming. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a pretty neat like it's like the colors don't sell, say horror you know it's, it's tropical blue water all the greens of the trees um and the edge of course is kind of a little bit of beach but like it looks like a 
I don't know, a romantic film or, you know, I, mean, I guess it makes sense, it's a Valentine's <laughs> Day, but it just is, if you, but we just look at it again, you realise it looks like a person screaming and you're like, ah, okay, that's pretty good. Okay. Pretty um, good. Yeah, I take a look at it. Um, yeah, it sounds like a very odd movie. <laughs> I don't really know what to make of it, but it could be interesting. It's kind of going into that uh, Banana Splits thing where it's taking an old TV show yeah. and turning it into a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I might as well. I mean, I, I feel like, you know... <laughs> The, I, I'm sure there are probably going to be people that are like, oh, you're ruining my childhood. This was my favorite movie. But I, I doubt it has like a huge loyal fan base is going to care that much. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that other one. They're doing a Charlie's Angels question mark. That's coming out soon. That should be a horror film. Oh, the, the new one that's coming out? Yeah, it's just that. It's an action movie. <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm cracking a joke. Uh, next up. Production has commenced on psychological horror Sweet River. Uh mm. It's filming uh, uh, in Byron Bay and Tweed Heads. I think that's in Australia. <laughs> for the record. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, UK actor Lisa Kay is is in mm. is in it. She plays Hannah uh, Montague, a woman whose search for her young son's body leads her back to Sleepy Billings, a sugarcane town with a dark history. Hannah's investigations mm. uncover more than she expected and threaten to expose the town's secrets, secrets that both the living and the dead will fight to protect. Um, mm-hmm. there's actually a huge description as well after that that explains it even more <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave it there for, for now okay um, so I don't know I, I, I often find most horror movies that involve a, a parent grieving a dead child tend to be terrible so I'm not exactly mm-hmm. hopeful for this but <laughs> you, uh, you, you you let me know how you oh, feel wait, I, I, I'm seeing this one <laughs> and you're not okay I'll see it but I'm saying you let me know okay. how you feel Okay. Um, I mean, it sounds okay enough uh, for a horror movie. Uh, I mean, all this talk about sugar and sweetness, it does make me want some candy, uh, which is, you know, is great because when you go to the movies, you always want to get a little bit of candy. So, hey, uh, sounds good. I'll probably get some, uh, maybe some Reese's Pieces or, um, you know, what's the other one I like? Oh, Sour Patch Kids. Maybe we'll see if I'm feeling, uh, if I'm in more of a chocolate mood or, you know, more of a kind of, uh, sugary, you know, sour patch. Kid if I'm kinda. in a sugary mood, I would probably go with Skittles myself. But I do like Skittles. Uh, I I do feel like. Well, I mean, it's always a a toss up when you go to the movie theater because you you never know if you're gonna get like a good bag or not. Mm. I was on a run for a while when I was uh <clears throat> going to see some stuff at the Egyptian, and they had the best sour patch kids. They were just the right texture, and sometimes it can be disappointing. Like you get them, and they're kind of like tough and a little chewy uh but man there was a while that i was on a hot streak where just everyone was just the right level of softness and uh so good but yeah so i'll probably get some candy when i see this movie i guess this is my point excellent <laughs> <laughs> yeah how much on that's occasionally once, uh, once the candy is done i'll probably I'll grieve over it so <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm munching on some nuts over here, which is very unprofessional of me, but I have not eaten yet, and that's just gonna. That's, I mean, talking to Tim takes energy. Let's just be. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was gonna comment. Uh, I, I thought it was very unpro- unprofessional, but I neither my my place is neither here nor there to comment on such things. <laughs> I don't really get a bad performance review. I'll give you the bad performance review. I'll write you your bad performance reviews. Um, so, uh, Sinistate and Fangoria's next horror film is uh, going to be an Exorcist film. It's called The Seventh Day. 
Uh, Deadline's reporting this. Writer Justin P. Lange is directing. Lange. Yeah, Lange. Okay. <laughs> L-A-N-G-E. Lange. Okay. Maybe Lange. <laughs> Justin P. Lange. Maybe he's, yeah, maybe it's like a foreign name. Um, Guy Pierce is going to star in it, though. So it's got some star power. Okay. Um, sure, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, what kid doesn't line up around the block uh, to see the new Guy Pierce movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one, one of those uh, names that can just really sell a movie on its own. <laughs> the film has been described as Training Day meets The Exorcist. Okay, uh, that does sound pretty cool. A renowned exorcist teams up with a rookie priest for his first day of training. As they plunge deeper into hell on earth, the lines between good and evil blur, and their own demons emerge. And at some point, someone's got to say, Satan ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I'm not exactly thrilled by the, the, the concept myself. What? Um, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> maybe good I don't know but it's one of those things where exorcism movies I don't assume are going to be good it's sort of a subgenre where I'm like okay you may prove me wrong and it'll be good but uh, oh my god <laughs> uh, may I direct you to a little movie called The Exorcist <laughs> I'm not saying there's no good exorcism I'm saying there's a lot of bad ones there's a difference Tim Jesus nuance come on anyway next up uh, there's a, another shark horror film coming, which, by the way, short, shark, sh- oh shark, shark, as in Jaws, shark, okay, okay. shark attack. Um, so there's another there's another shark uh, film coming. Uh, although I, I want to pick, I want to, I'm in. There's a, there's, I'm pretty sure you watched this, but I saw I saw an article the other day saying on Amazon Prime uh, a foreign a crocodile movie. Hell yeah. The swimming pool one uh, went up in Prime. And I think you watched yes. this and didn't tell me about it. So you're going to have to watch it again soon because I want to watch it for the show. So Oh, yeah. No, I'm fine with watching it again. It was, uh, spoiler alert, it was great. What's the title again? Remember the title? The Pool. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually called The Pool. Okay, <laughs> right. There yeah. you go. Uh, no, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's on Prime. And I, I just, I, I didn't know if it was going to be like something worth doing. I just checked it out and... It, and it was funny because, yeah, it was during October, and I was like, I've already watched three, like, <laughs> gator slash crocodile movies. Can I really do another one? And then when I read the description, I was like, All right, let's give it a shot. And I actually thought it was pretty cool. But, yeah, that's, yeah I'll that, probably do a proper review on it. That's, yeah, that's happening. For sure, I want to watch it. Um, <laughs> it's certainly before we do our top tens of the year because I want to oh, sure. potentially have that as an option. But anyway, so, I just, yeah, cause, so it's called Great White, this new movie love it already yeah from thrills and spells and piccadilly pictures tucker and dale versus evil okay, i'm a little <laughs> less uh, excited <laughs> tucker and dale versus evil and 30 rock actress katrina Bowden is going to star in it um it will be shot in studio as well as on location on southeast queensland very specific uh michael bowen who directed better be an underwater studio uh, Michael Bowen, I was going to say directed, he actually didn't direct anything. Uh, Michael Bowen, who wrote Tomorrow, When the War Began, Killer Elite, and The Loved Ones. Oh, The Loved Ones, I've heard of that one. I know one of those movies. Uh, he's, he's writing the script. Uh, well, director uh, Martin Wilson is going to make his feature debut. So we have a kind of an unknown quantity on the director. Okay. <laughs> the uh, the third Wilson brother making his directing debut. Um, sign me up. <laughs> Is this a Deathstroke reference to Grant and Slade Wilson? 
no, I, I was like Owen, Luke. Oh. The, you know, the the first family of cinema. <laughs> the first family of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me for not being a huge fan of looking Owen Wilson. Jesus. So, uh, Great White, inspired by true events, taps into her most primal fear oh, of the shit. deep and delivers the stuff of nightmares in the form of the ocean's most dangerous apex predator the film follows the, the, <laughs> the film follows the story of seaplane <laughs> operators and lovers kaz fellows played Ooh. by katrina bowden and charlie Brody, played by aaron uh jacobenko along with their passengers Georgie. Are, you, what? are you serious you're literally gonna do a, a great white shark movie and name one of the characters Brody? that's <laughs> Come on, the hubris of this film, my God. Fair point, fair point. Uh, and their passenger was Joji uh, Manassi and his wife Michelle uh, and Cook Benny, uh, who all take a flight into the picturesque Hell's Reef. The Hell's Reef. Hell's Reef should be a warning sign not to go there, guys, yeah. just for the record. Yeah. It's not long before the idyllic <laughs> trip turns into a living hell when they become abandoned males from shore in a grave danger from what looks just below the surface. Their only chance of making it out alive is to get to the beach, but uh, with two great white sharks hunting them, the odds are not in their favour. What ensues is a battle for survival in the most epic proportions against nature's most lethal predators. Joey should have called this, they should have called this Two Jaws. <laughs> i would have liked that uh i'm a little confused though are they in a plane or a boat uh they, i mean they, they fly there i don't know if they're like, still in a plane or if they've got, they're on a boat okay. now because they're on the shore but maybe they crash i don't know okay <laughs> all right um cool I, I mean if i i don't know if uh martha wilson or <laughs> whatever the, the name you said was uh if they're listening uh you know, I just a little bit of a suggestion. You know, the CGI sharks never look great, so I don't know. Use real ones if you can. Um, if not, <laughs> try to go practical. <laughs> That's that would be my suggestion. Use real ones if you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a new Twister film soon. Tim's going to be like, CGI tornadoes don't look that good. Use real ones if you can. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, you know, I think people can tell when it's fake, mm. but. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm always down for a shark movie. I'm down for any movie when uh, yeah, where animals are are killing humans. Uh, so you know, I'll be honest. Uh, I'll be it it kind of it kind of sounds almost like it could be a sequel to The Shallows, just like it's just with more people. Yeah, that sounds sounds like it. And I actually kind of enjoyed The Shallows, so I mean, you know. yeah, yeah, no, The Shallows was good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Sign me up for. Uh, I already forgot what it was called. Piccadilly Great Shark White. Attack or whatever. Great White. It's called Great okay. White. It's a really generic title for a short movie, goddammit. Uh, right, next up. Director Jeremy Caston. Mm. Sounds um, like a casting director. He, he, they've listed a bunch of his credits here. The one that sticks out to my eyes is The Wizard of Gore, which is quite a good title. So, you know, uh, but <laughs> he's uh, making a new horror film it's called the, the Dead Ones a new indie that Raven Banner has added to the AFM slate mm. so uh, Bloody Disgusting previously shared the exclusive teaser premiere that <laughs> offers up a demonic invasion of, on St. Patrick's Day here's the description oh, for is this four, a leprechaun movie? for four outcast teens summer detention means being assigned to clean their high school after a horrific incident 
but they are not alone. A macabre gang wearing guises of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, famine, pestilence, war, and death, has locked them inside and is hunting them through the school's ravaged hallways. As the four students battle to survive, each must confront the supernatural echoes of the past, traumas they have struggled to forget, and may be condemned to relive. I mean, that definitely sounds interesting. Uh, it... I like the premise. I, have to admit, I actually quite like the premise of being trapped in a high school with four crazy people dressed as the four hospital of the apocalypse. So I'm kind of into yeah. that. I, uh, once you started talking about it's supernatural, it mm. lost me a little bit because it seems like a good premise for like a slasher thing. But I mean, it still could be cool. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. That's uh, it, it does feel a little bloated, though. So uh, it could be something that easily you know, could go one way or another. But you can at least count me intrigued for now. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Something to keep our keep our eyes on. Yeah, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Famine, pestilence, war, and leprechaun. Uh, so, <laughs> next up, we have Bella Thorne, of course, who was in uh, The Babysitter, a couple of things. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, Electric Entertainment has picked up the worldwide rights to psychological thriller Penthouse A starring Bella Thorne, uh, which has launched their international sales at AFM. Um, that's the American film market, I think that stands for, because for it's popped up a couple of times. Uh, so uh, so Thorne, who was in Assassination Nation as well, actually, which I actually, I, I really liked that movie. Um, oh, I wanted to see it. I never got to, uh, haven't watched it yet. Though. Me and Connor, me and Connor liked it a lot, and then we liked it even more when we talked to each other about it in the review. It actually oh, cool. elevated once we spoke about you know what the meaning behind the film was and everything. Um, she's also in Amityville: The Awakening, which is something you might have seen or be seeing soon. because you've got a shitty box set of like four through eight of the Amityville movies. <laughs> hey, that's not shitty. <laughs> Those were actually pretty good. Uh, I, I don't think the yeah the Awakening was not on there though. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> the director makes me intrigued. Because okay. Frank, and that's spelled with a CK at the end, so really we'll spell on Frank. Frank uh, Calfun, who directed the Maniac remake. Oh. Yeah, that was a really good movie. So, okay. Yeah, like um, that one. He's going to direct this uh, from a screenplay by Peter Dowling, uh, whose credits <laughs> include uh, Black and Blue, uh, starring Naomi Harris and Tyrese Gibson. Never heard of it, but. Mm. Where's the. Uh... Yes, here we go. So. Uh, Bella Thorne will play a jilted lover who hooks up for a short-term relationship with, a, with the wrong person and ends up captive in a high-rise residence. So it's a captive mm. movie. Okay. <laughs> I really like that Maniac remake, though, so that, that has me interested in this, for sure. Yeah. No, that could be good. I mean, I always like, um, you know, like uh, when the villain is like, you know, kind of, you know, these rich, you know, kind of playboy assholes like you know kind of sounds like uh you know a little bit like american psycho or something like you know you got uh some dude living up in this uh nice expensive uh penthouse or whatever that, that could be a pretty interesting remake uh or <laughs> interesting movie especially with uh yeah a talented person like uh you know that guy so yeah this is definitely <laughs> one to, <laughs> you know keep, a talented uh, person keep our eyes on. like that guy <laughs> well put yeah. <laughs> Andrea Riseborough, who was in Mandy, she was the titular Mandy. Uh, she's also in the Grudge remake that's coming out um, in January. She is going to be in uh, another horror film soon called mm-hmm. Geechee, which is spelled G E E C H E E. Okay. <laughs> Geechee. 
a supernatural thriller Ooh. just announced um so she will lead the cast of the agc studios horror film it has been written and directed by debut filmmaker i was gonna say dubious there uh du bois Ashong. so that's clearly a foreign name that i'm probably butchering um Riseboro will star as Ren, a successful New York scientist who decides to leave the city with her son to start life over in remote sea islands off the Atlantic coast. She quickly okay. falls in love with, with the land and the people on the secluded island, but soon her world starts to unravel as the souls of the subjugated begin to haunt her dreams and her waking life. Mm. That's a pretty generic supernatural movie, yeah. to be honest. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, I really have no opinion on this until maybe actually like see a trailer or something. Because yeah, it does sound kind of generic, but yeah, I mean, I don't really, I, I do like that actress, but yeah, I don't know anything about the director, but eh, it could be good. Mm. I do like, uh, you know, I, I do like stuff that kind of takes place on like you know seaside little towns and everything, so that could be cool. So a final thing to talk about though is one trailer that we do have to mention this mm-hmm. week. Um, I didn't know a few indie trailers this week because we are a bit tight on time for recording this week. Mm-hmm. But um, we have to talk about the Invisible Man trailer. Lee Wannell's mm-hmm. Invisible Man. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is starring. We have a trailer for this. Um, oh, I think this is coming out in February. I think this is the February movie I was thinking of actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, um, I want to say it's February or March. Yeah, it's February. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so Invisible Man, uh, the concept for this version of it is simply, it's a lot, a lot more sort of smaller scale, a lot more down-to-earth. It's a, uh, basically a jealous, angry boyfriend who fixes, fakes his death, but he's actually turned invisible and starts mm-hmm. tormenting his girlfriend that he's obsessed with. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems to be he's like, you know, a, an abuser of, yeah. of sorts. That, and, um, yeah, it looks like he finds a way to you know continue doing that like under the guise of yeah being invisible now yeah and this trailer uh shows a lot of that in fact i like the look of this movie a lot actually based on this trailer Mm -hmm. um i think my only complaint about the trailer is that i think it shows far too much it was giving me so many moments where i'm like okay that's clearly act three that's clearly when Mm -hmm. people finally know that he's really there because a lot of the trailers like her like slowly (laughs) thinking she's going crazy because she's like noticing things and then she believes that he's around but no one Mm -hmm. else does you know it's, it's playing those kind of beats out um yeah you know i i didn't even want to watch this uh because i i did see other people saying like wow the trailer gives away too much but when i went to the movies to see dr sleep they played it anyway so i was kind of <laughs> you know didn't really have a choice but um i i did see a tweet from um uh how do you pronounce his name line lie it's a wino his last name i always forget his Lionel. first name lee wino Lee Wano, sorry. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I always like want to combine the two and like call him like Lionel or something. But maybe, maybe it's um, Lee Wanell, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> but um, he, he he did have a tweet I, I saw that said like, oh, for those of you who think that we give away like too much in the trailer, like trust me, that's nothing like compared to you know what happens in the movie. So it felt like it showed a lot to me. But I mean, yeah, I I would have wish I wish it would have held a lot more back because you yeah. can see like there's going to be a scene in the rain, which is probably going to look mm-hmm. cool. There's you know scenes with. You know, when when he eventually kind of starts doing things to people and he's like just like snapping mm. cops' necks and stuff like that, like it shows yeah. you a lot of stuff that I wish I didn't see. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, unfortunately that's a yeah common complaint with trailers. But that aside, though, I am really excited for this movie. I thought it looked good. Um, it 
you know, it looks like interesting. Like it's a movie that's actually going to be about something, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, you know, cause it, it, I'm sure they could have still done just like a cool generic, like, you know, kind of what, what, oh, he turns invisible and attacks people, you know, kind of monster movie. But, uh, it is interesting that they're kind of giving it this, um, like an actual story behind it, uh, you know, with, uh, the, you know, kind of bringing like real world issues and, and stuff into it. So I, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. And then obviously, um, you know the like actors and and stuff you know look good in it but uh, and you know i I like um his uh he only directed one other movie right that uh insidious three oh oh he did insidious three and upgrade those were his two which i actually like both of those uh yeah i don't know know, both sold enough movies and i think this this looks like it could be taking him to the next level where it's like okay now he's really hitting his stride and like making really interesting movies and because he was kind of like, like, um, like it, for a while, it seemed like he was just kind of like James Wan's like partner or whatever. But it seems like now he's kind of, especially when, once this comes out, it'll, like he'll be like his own name. Like, oh, yeah, no, he's uh, kind of busting out. And who knows, maybe even uh, might be a little more exciting now when you see his name versus, uh, you know, Wan or something. But yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it looks uh, it looks really good. My um, the one thing I'm kind of you know a little uh, I don't know if I, I want to say hesitant or, or whatever, but uh, you know I, I do hope we see him in in the bandages at some point because I just I love that look of the Invisible Man just wrapped up in in bandages and stuff. But uh, I, I don't know if we'll get that. But it's... I don't know. I'll, I'll do it once. So I'll be a nod to it. Yeah. But. I'm just excited because it's something different. It's not like a haunted mm-hmm. house or a possessed person, which I feel like we've had a lot of in the last few years. So I'm really excited yeah. for something just a different concept. Um, oh, definitely. So. Yeah, the, I like like the one thing I, I am thinking of, though, is like, you know, there are scenes where, yeah, it, it's, you know, it looks like he's trying to make her look crazy and stuff. So, like, they'll be in a room and like, she'll be like, oh, he's right here. And the people are like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. But it's like, if that is the case, can't you just like, if you're in a small enough room, can't you be like, all right, go like feel around, you'll feel him eventually, or like hear him or something. But I'm sure they'll do know. that. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be like a moment of tension. Is like one of the friends goes up to feel him, and there'll be nothing there because he's moved. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. um, it must be really cold though because he's clearly walking around naked. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, be freezing. <laughs> it looks like yeah. There's and it looks like a cold place. Like yeah, there's scenes where it's raining and like you know. You know see people's breath and stuff so uh yeah it's gotta be cool mm-hmm. well <laughs> honestly that's maybe my uh, most anticipated most horror film for next year yeah i would say yeah i would say so other than i mean like other than you know some of like kind of the smaller stuff that's already come out that's getting released next year i can't really think of like too many other like really big things I guess <laughs> what's the other big one like Halloween Kills? I guess, mm. um, but yeah, that I'm not like super stoked for. All right, so we'll move on then to actually talk about the movie Doctor Sleep. We'll start spoiler free as I said earlier on. We'll give you a warning before we move into spoilers. This is the sequel to The Shining. The well, the book was written as a sequel to the book The Shining. I think it's quite clear that this movie from the very first trailer wants it to be a sequel to the movie as well. Like, you know, it's very clearly, mm-hmm. hey, we're not letting it go of the fact that everyone, like, you know, The Shining is one of the most famous movies. So they're going to want to yeah. use that. They're going to want to use that to sell this movie. That's probably how he got greenlit. Oh, no, totally. And I do think it's, to me, like, sequel, it feels like such a weird 
word for it because I, I do think it is really different and stands out on its own but like um it, it feels like just another story that is involving like these same characters uh i feel like it's kind of a, a more accurate way to put it but i mean you know like for all in, you know intents and purposes yeah it's like a sequel <laughs> hmm. i think there's enough in there to call it a sequel i'll get into that maybe more in spoilers but like sure, sure. Uh, i think there's enough there to call it a sequel but uh yeah doctor sleep uh stars uh ewan mcgregor uh mm-hmm. as adult danny who's grown up of course since the first film and uh a whole bunch of other characters i, I actually went into this knowing very little even though i'd seen the trailers i didn't really know really what the plot was or how it was going to play out i knew rebecca ferguson was in there i didn't know who she was or or to what extent like what type of character she was or or what she was going to do I went in really knowing very little. Uh, I was happy to see Glenn McLaren in there, though, because he was on Fargo and uh, Westworld, and I like him a lot. Uh, Do you play uh, Crow Daddy? Yeah, Crow Daddy. Uh, he plays uh, him. He was really good. You know who I was surprised about mm. was um, the Abra's mom from uh, House of the Devil. I was like, oh, hey, I, I don't see her in a lot, but uh, I love her. She's great. It was uh, cool to see her. <laughs> really? I didn't even uh, notice her that you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't, to be fair, she doesn't have, like, a huge part, but, um, yeah, I think Jocelyn Donahue. Oh, you're right, yes, sir. Yeah. I think it was the bangs that threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, I, I thought it was, yeah, it was uh, cool to see her. If anything, you know, I was surprised. Like, the only other actor I noticed uh, mm-hmm. was the, one of the, the, the team of, the, you know, those characters uh, mm-hmm. was the caretaker from House, uh, uh, Hell House, Hunting Hell House. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Um, okay. He was there in that. Um, and I, well, like, yeah. I, I suppose yeah, the tall guy was also in uh, Gerald's game. But my, my first thought with him, though, is that, oh, it's the fireman from Twin Peaks, not uh, oh yeah, <laughs> not, not uh, Gerald's game. But yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. You know, Flanagan has like a you know cast of characters. Uh, you know, they they like to use. Uh, so yeah, there's a few familiar faces, and then I didn't catch this, but I heard on a podcast that um, the actor that played you know, Danny in uh, The Shining uh, makes an appearance. I think he's oh. one of the people at the baseball game. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, how would you ever know it's him, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, he looks so different. Uh, like. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't actually know how much to explain in this spoiler-free section about what the movie is, because I feel like so much of it is... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say basically it you know picks up after like you said it it is kind of a a meld of the you know the book uh and you know the original shiny movie uh it picks up you know after the movie so we see like a little bit of uh danny as a kid to set up some uh, issues he's dealing with and then it kind of you know cuts to him later in life and uh, i would say a lot of it is dealing with um his kind of addiction and um you know sobriety while also facing like this um it it, it's kind of it feels like there's three stories kind of going on because you have danny's story and then also uh you see this uh like new like uh child character who also has the shine um and you kind of see you know what she goes through and then um you're also seeing these villains who are kind of like psychic vampires that feed on you know, children that have the shine, and then I'm, I'm glad you said um, vampires because I want to, I want to say something here. Okay. When when one of these psychic vampires uh, 
dies. It basically, they're, they're just feeding off the shining energy that comes from shining people uh, to yeah. live longer. Yeah. It's, it's extending their life. So it is kind of literally kind of, a, that's why I was making me think of vampires in the first place. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when they die, they, uh, one of the, the thing they feed on is this dust that comes out of the, the, yeah, the, the, the called, kids. Uh, yeah, they call it steam. They call it steam. Uh, when these psychic vampires die, they burst into steam, and it's very reminiscent <laughs> of a hit television oh, show, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when the vampires would get dusty. It's a bit slower, <laughs> but I just wanted to throw that in there. There you go. Uh, yeah, we just uh, picked back up on our rewatch, uh, which is fun. We <laughs> got to the the Jonathan episode in season four. Oh, that's which a fun is... one. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's a so you kind of have these like three different stories going, and then they all kind of uh, you know obviously end up meeting uh, you know together in uh, throughout the course of the movie. But I think that's enough of a uh, you know spoiler free plot <laughs> synopsis. Mm-hmm. I, again, like there's a lot of uh, I think you know surprises and stuff that end up happening that yeah I don't really want to spoil for people who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's totally fair. Uh, so I guess I'll ask the question and keep in mind mm-hmm. so so Tim's a huge Stephen King fan <laughs> we have had nothing but bad Stephen King movies this year uh, so I mean can't argue with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can you know you can uh, In the Tall Grass at Chapter 2 like well I did I, I did like In the Tall Grass and then uh, God it's funny we had so much this year I even forgot that that was one of them um, uh, Pet Cemetery was the other one I was thinking of yeah, Pet Cemetery was bad. Although I will say, uh, first episode of Creep Show is an adaptation of a Stephen King story, and that was actually quite good. So wasn't the rest of the we, season bad though? Yeah, but the rest of it, it. Well, the the first two episodes were good, and then the last episode was good. So it is very weird. Where <clears throat> I watched the first two, got really excited, then episodes three, four, and five were terrible. So I got like angry. <laughs> But then they ended it with a really good episode, uh, which uh, one of the writers on the last episode, Paul Dini. Woo. So I was actually I was pretty surprised. I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was doing this. Uh, so it's a very, very weird mixed bag where I'm like, I half this show is great uh, or at least good to great. Uh, and then the other half is some of the worst TV I've watched all year. Honestly, <laughs> uh, Very, very interesting. You know, it's a. It's short enough, maybe we'll review it if we ever <laughs> have time to do extra stuff. But it seems like the amount of movies we have <laughs> is kind of hard for that. But uh, it's hard to have um, to keep up with the new movies and do like sequels and stuff to the franchise. He's never made yeah. other than TV shows. Yeah, I would love to do another TV show. I always have fun with those. But yeah, it's, <laughs> the, the movies never stop. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I guess continue with your disclaimer. <laughs> you still are doing that oh yes yes so uh so keep that in mind also keep in mind um i forgot the second thing was going to be we went off track i forgot there was two parts of my disclaimer one was that you're a big stephen (laughs) king fan what was the other one i can't remember it doesn't matter all right timmy (laughs) (laughs) yeah did you enjoy dr sleep I, uh, you know, I, I said it before in Flanagan, we trust and, uh, my boy did not let me down. I was blown away by this movie. I absolutely loved it. And I mean, like you said, sure. To be fair, uh, you know, I'm a very big Stephen King fan. Uh, now this book has been, is kind of, uh, you know, derisive in the Stephen King community. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I, uh, actually I would say a lot of people (laughs) really don't like it. Uh, personally though, I love it. I think it's a, a great book. And I do think 
it is kind of weird because The Shining, um, you know, both the book and the movie are so iconic that, yeah, anything is that's going to be billed as the sequel to it. Uh, and then you go and watch it, and it's about a man dealing with addiction. Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty, you know, par for the course for because that's what the first Shining was about. But, like, a man going through, like, AA and then fighting weird psychic vampires does seem like an odd choice uh, for the sequel to a movie about a spooky hotel. But for me, I absolutely love it. And in this, I think the performances were great. I think, um, you know, there's some generally creepy parts. I really love the True Knot, this band of, like, roaming vampires. I thought they were really well done. Like, Rebecca Ferguson is great. Um, and then, you know, all the other people, uh, you know, Snake by Andy and Crow Daddy and Grandpa Flick, uh, I think they were all really cool. And uh, if anything, I, I think we could have seen more scenes from them. And there was actually some surprisingly <laughs> very touching stuff. I'm not going to lie. I kind of teared up at a few parts uh like it's i don't know it's emotional it's uh i I think there's some cool stuff and then i i think what's gonna be hard for some people is yeah maybe dealing with that and then the like last act i can see some people complaining that it gets a little fan servicey which i totally get but honestly it it didn't kind of work with (laughs) for me um so yeah i i left the theater with a huge grin on my face. I was very happy. I really, really dug this movie. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Which whenever I really, 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 really like something, I always, I just assume that means you're going to hate it. So now I'm just waiting for, <laughs> you know, for you to be like, I hate it. <laughs> That's the way you always say it too. <laughs> Whenever I love something, you always go, you always extend the hate. You hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to do my accent? <laughs> a little bit, but not. Because <laughs> you're selling, you're going. doing, you sound like you're doing your leprechaun voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting a little tinge of it. I'm not going like full Morrison or anything. <laughs> I hated it. Top of the morning to you. I hated it. <laughs> I want to wish my laddie. Um, I have to shut a door, so you can stall for five seconds. For sure. And then, yeah, I was looking at some people's reaction. It does seem to be a little bit of a mixed... Um, I think most people have been fairly positive on it, but I do have a couple of friends that really <laughs> didn't like it, uh, which is kind of a bummer. But I think most of their problems do come with the final act, which I'm interested to see what you think of it. Because, again, um, you know, not to spoil too much stuff, but... Uh, it does feel like a little kind of fan servicey, uh, but I, and that's the other thing though <clears throat> um, that I think is really impressive to me is uh, I, I think this is a super super hard movie to tackle. And um, do you know who was going to do this originally before uh, Flanagan? You know I don't, but I'm going to take a wild guess just for the fun of it. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm going to guess McG. <laughs> uh, no but i mean i don't think that's like super far off but no it's gonna is uh supposedly akiva goldsman was attached to it before. <laughs> uh, which jesus christ i can't even imagine how bad that movie would have been <clears throat> um at this point i feel like flanagan and darabont should be the only people allowed to adapt king stuff uh because they seem to to really get it but this is such a hard thing to tackle because you have, uh, you know, you're basing it off a book 
that is a sequel to a Stephen King book. Uh, but also, it's uh, there's a very iconic movie uh, that is different from the book. Uh, so, but like you said, not only is it one of the most famous horror movies, it's one of the most famous movies in general. So, you can't do a sequel with without acknowledging that. So, having to you know make a movie that is faithful to the book, but also like you know keep it in continuity the original movie i think is like such a, a huge ordeal and like could have easily been beefed up by anyone that's like a lesser you know director but i think flanagan really gets it and i'm you know I'm really impressed by the way he was able to pull it off because it does feel like you know uh, a faithful adaptation you know to the book obviously you know they do change things but <clears throat> it does feel like he found like the perfect medium between you know, paying homage to the book and the uh, the movie as well. So I was really impressed on that front too. So the moment of truth. <laughs> You're interested in how I feel about it. A voice of reason. You're looking forward to my opinion because you know that I'm going to speak some sense. Um, whether that's good or bad for you, you know, is, it remains to be seen, but you know that it's going to come from a, a logical place that that stands up to scrutiny and will not be wavered by fanboy antics. <laughs> oh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is, this is, this is, I, I had no idea how to feel going into this. I didn't know how I felt. Like I, I thought the trailers were mediocre looking. I wasn't really fussed about them. I thought one of the biggest problems I had with the trailers, although funnily enough, the footage I was complaining about was actually new footage, but they shot like scenes to look like The Shining, right? They shot like, you know, a, a young Danny, you know, cycling through the the hotel and but they, they made it look as authentic to the shining as they could and the reason why they did reshoot it is more because they had scenes in the movie afterwards with they had more scenes of young danny so they had to make it match with, with the actor right that's why so it makes sense but one of my complaints with the the, the trailers i didn't think visually it looked that interesting i thought visually it was like hey the shining is such a stark movie it's got such a unique visual style and as soon as it cut to the, 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 the I mean, it was all new footage technically, but like, as soon as it cut to the, the rest of the present day part of the movie, it was like, mm-hmm. eh, this is kind of dull or whatever. So I, I went into the movie not knowing how to feel about it, but I do like Mike Flanagan typically. Like, I think he's a pretty solid director. Um, yeah. He's not, it's like, he's never done like a classic. He's never like done a nine out of 10. Like he, he is, he is such a, uh, to borrow a phrase from elsewhere on the internet, he is a swimming in sevens director. He's a very solid seven out of 10 director consist consistently. He knows how to make a good seven. (laughs) Well, I mean, we didn't do it on the show, but what was your thoughts on Hill House? Because I I thought you liked that, right? I do not. I like it quite a bit. Um, But it does actually suffer from what a lot of his movies suffer from, is the The ending ending, uh, is the worst part, which maybe makes him perfect to be a Stephen King adaptation uh, uh, director. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But no, I liked it. I I mean, I probably like Hill House more than I like most of his movies. I think my favorite thing he's done is Hush. Um, and then probably Hill House I think the rest of his movies all have really good stuff in them but the endings kind of fall flat like Jill's game I thought was solid until the ending um, Ouija Origin of Evil I thought was solid until the ending <laughs> um, he, Oculus uh... didn't have an ending <laughs> <clears throat> what, what I think is interesting about Flanagan um, I mean I, I don't necessarily disagree I think I maybe like his stuff a little bit more than you but what I think is interesting is that I tend to like his stuff more and more like it, it seems like each thing he does i like more than the last mm. you know to the point where yeah like the first couple of things that i saw from him i didn't like at all and then each one was kind of like oh this is actually you know better and oh this is actually good and um 
I was like, oh, like this is actually great, you know, to the point where I, you know, I, I really, really liked Gerald's game. Um, and then like, yeah, like I really liked, uh, you know, Hill House. And then, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, to this, uh, spoiler is my favorite thing that he's done. But, you know, um, yeah, he's someone that kind of keeps going up and up for me. Mm. So, and I realize I'm drawing this out, but I, <laughs> but so the movie starts and the Warner Bros. Logo, logo comes up and we hear the dan 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 you know, the, the, the horn or whatever it is from The Shining and I'm like okay they're going for the nostalgia because even in fact hell even the Warner Bros. logo is the 1980s like version yeah it's just yeah. a static version it's not the animated one it's not coming onto the screen there like that um and they're going for that nostalgia that they're, they're really playing it up and we we have these scenes and he's young and it was kind of weird because like you know it's a different actor it's a different actor playing you know his mom and i'm like okay it's kind of weird but can i say a thing uh, about that real quick mm -hmm. i you know i was actually relieved when i saw that because i feel like if they I'm, I'm just glad that we're not doing the cgi de-aging <laughs> you know kind of thing because it's just so distracting and i and I like, yeah, it is. It does take you out a little bit because it is like different actors and, and stuff. But I like that much more than, yeah, just like, uh, yeah, doing a CGI thing. I think the problem to an extent is that Shelley Duvall has a really distinct way of speaking, and it doesn't quite get matched here. Although I have a bigger problem later, which we're going to get into a fight about, I think. So, okay. Um, <laughs> but, um, so it does some of the stuff he's kid and it sets up the, the and so early on in the story when they were first setting up this this uh you know immortal psychic vampire thing <laughs> yeah the first like batch of that stuff i pretty much thought i'm gonna hate this movie <laughs> i i thought i hate this what is what is this nonsense why are we doing this um this feels so out of left field what is happening yeah because I, I didn't know any of this really going in yeah um and then see that also might help with me too like because yeah if if all you know is the shining it, it is kind of like a left turn but like we're dealing with vampires now what <laughs> <laughs> right and then but then the movie kept going and interest me to you know i abra the, the new shining character the the, the, the the i mean the movie has a little bit of set in 2011 but then we, we meet her properly in 20 you know 19 like you know, present day and she's like 13 14 years old i kind of liked her um, I kind of liked uh, the idea of like her and Danny kind of communicating and teaming up and maybe like taking on these villains to discover. Like, as the movie went on, it kind of won me over just to have been a, a decent story on its own. Um, so I have some pretty extreme thoughts. But then you bring up the third act. You, you mentioned it multiple times there where you, you know people who the third act has completely uh, stopped the movie dead for them. And I actually don't hate uh the the idea of the third act for the most part i think um i i kind of i saw it going there almost the entire time like i i think within 10 minutes of the movie starting i said i bet this happens in the the the, the, the final like half hour or whatever and so when it was when it was eventually kind of like clearly heading that way you know like two-thirds or whatever into the movie i was kind of thinking like yeah of course we're doing that what well, of course we're doing it uh but for me, it did get a bit messy in the last act. I, I thought the actual sort of uh, culmination of the conflict um, mm. was it kind of because I think what I liked about the movie in the middle and when it was really building up a lot of the stuff is that it kind of was really playing with its rules and it was really establishing what the rules were uh, of of how the the shining works and how there's different types of shines and like you know uh, Abra's a, a seer she can go and look for things, um, but there's other types of shines who can like 
I think, I think they refer to her as a pusher, where she can actually make someone do something. Like, you know, it kind of you know expands the mythology a little bit, mm. and and does that. And I was into that stuff, um, but I think the ending just kind of went for a lot of really over the top CGI uh, nonsense visuals that I thought were really uh, anti Shining. And it's not that I need mm. the plot to be like the Shining, but what I mean is by that is that nothing in the Shining feels. Uh, like everything's so it's, it's got very stark moments but everything feels so classy but there's moments in sure. this that feel like oh yeah this is any supernatural movie from the last mm-hmm. 10 years where they want to show something over the top and horrifying and CGI and uh, there's one moment in particular that really just made me go oh whatever um, mm-hmm. uh, and I do have some other problems as well I, I think uh, it's too long it's two and a half hours long I think I think you could easily cut 30 minutes out of this um, and a lot of it would be from the start of the movie. I, I think almost all of the 2011 portion of the movie you could probably cut. Um, I, I, I don't understand why Danny has this, because for me Danny's got like this redemptive kind of part to him where he's kind of like his dad a little bit he's a bit of a drunk. And Although with him it makes sense because he's trying to dull the ghosts and the voices that he hears and all the rest of it. You know, we've sort of seen that in other things. But he goes on this thing where there's, there's almost like a short film early on in the film where he he you know, moves to a new town and he joins an AA meeting uh, and he kind of turns his life around and it sets up this thing and kind of where the title of Doctor Sleep comes from. Which and honestly, I think you can cut all this out. I I think the actual where the title Doctor Sleep comes from could be taken out of the movie and it has no bearing <laughs> anything. His redemption, his growth as a character could just be through the main story that happens after which is him helping Abra and like deciding to actually sort of fight the bad guys because at first he wants to just kind of hide and not get involved and it's just that classic hero's journey of getting involved and you know doing something so I think that's a bit of an issue so I'd, I'd cut out a lot of that and then the other big problem I'd say is that the main villain uh, Rose who is the you know the head of the, the, the psychic vampires <laughs> um, she I think they do something really weird with her halfway through where they kind of they kind of like ruin her her threat, and I, n- I never got it back after it. Okay. There's a point in the movie where it made her feel weaker than the heroes, and I, n- I never so for the rest of the film, because um, they because they make this big choice at the start of Act Three to do something that feels very, very extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Because oh, we have to beat Rose, so we have to do this, and I went, but why? Like, you could already kick her ass. We saw this already. <laughs> like, she, she could be beat. I don't know. Like, uh, uh, So that was another yeah. problem I had just from the story on its own. Because I think that problem and the pacing and what we could cut out, those are problems I'm going to levy on the film quite heavily because those are problems with the story on its own that has nothing to do with The Shining. But here's my other bold take. I think this movie would be better if they just changed the character names and didn't connect it to The Shining. If they said, we want to do an adaptation of this book, we don't want to have to tie it to The Shining, so here's what we're going to do. We have this kid who's a psychic, <laughs> we won't use the word Shining, we'll call it something else, and we'll just do that story. Because I think the story itself is actually really good. Like, you know, mm. because you've got this band of psychic vampires hunting children who have Shining powers, and you've got Abra who, who can sort of sense them and wants to try and stop them, because, you know, she's, she's a good mm. character. And it's kind of this, this drunken you know, shining guy who has a redemption arc in him who who has to like maybe make the choice to be a hero. All of this works for me. But tying it back to the shining <laughs> is when the movie's at its worst. And it feels kind of pointless. And we'll get to some serious, you know, parts of that uh, at various points. But um Yeah, so it's a mixed bag. I guess if if you're asking me what I think about it, I think it's pretty solidly made, but it does kind of fall under the burden of trying to be a shining movie. Um, yeah. too much 
and that stuff I think you could actually take out and the movie would be better for it. You could just rename a few things and make it its own story because it's so different from The Shining that it can be. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, it, it is very strange. And like, I'm not sure if King ever talked about this, but like, I do wonder if, yeah, this did start off as something different and then he, you know, or, or I don't know, maybe someone suggested like, hey, man, you got to do like, you know, follow up like on one of your famous things. And, and yeah, I, I don't know if he, uh, you know, just kind of tied it in because it does feel extremely different. But um, I mean, it, it really doesn't bother me, <laughs> though. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily d- disagree with you on any of those points. Like, it is super long. Um, it is one of those things, though, where I was so into it, like the length didn't really bother me. Mm. Um, and especially, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I think, um, to me, I actually really liked, and yeah, it's not very, um, you know, horror-y or anything, uh, but, uh, I feel like it, maybe it is one of those things that makes more sense in the book because, you know, in the book you can have like these kind of like recurring themes and callbacks and stuff like, um, you kind of see early on this scene of him when he's at like his lowest, uh, when he's, um, you know, like drinking and doing drugs and he's like, you know, sleeping with his girl and stuff. And he has this very like specific incident, uh, that kind of gets repeated like again and again in the book. And they, you know, kind of just do it real quick, uh, you know, in the movie. Um, but I feel like, uh, that stuff though, I, I do think is really interesting because, you know, I, I think so much of the shining is about, uh, you know, someone dealing with, you know, his, uh, like addiction, uh, and then I think it's interesting to have this, which is basically someone dealing with their sobriety, like, you know, someone, mm. uh, you know, cause it, you know, in, in the shining, you don't, you see someone succumbing to their addictions instead of getting over it. And I think it's interesting to kind of, now we have the opposite where you actually are seeing, um, you know, someone dealing with that repercussions and kind of you know, falling into those same traits, but being able to recognize it and get out of it. Now, I, do, I do think it's should... interesting, though, and probably to appease King, whenever any mention or allusion to what happened in the first movie comes up, at no point does Danny ever sound like he like he thinks his dad was at fault. He's all he always talks about. Sure. <laughs> you know, he it just sounds like no, the ghost made him do it, or you know, he was you, you know, because he, he has a speech at A at one point where he's talking about how his dad. You know, it sounds like he's quite fond of his dad, and I'm like, no, nah, yeah. your dad went crazy and tried to kill you with an axe. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, uh, true. Jack Jack Torrance was not a likable man. Uh, yeah, at any point, so. That was uh, uh, kind of weird, but yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I don't know if you saw uh, the quote uh, that I, I think Flanagan mentioned it, like in an interview or something, but uh, they said something along the lines of, you know, after King watched this movie, he said that, I don't think he he went full on and was like, oh, I like the Kubrick version now, but I think he said this movie makes him, like, appreciate it a little more or something like that, like maybe softened him up to it. So that, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I hate, I hate to say someone's <laughs> wrong when they're talking about their own work, but Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is fantastic and Stephen King is wrong. <laughs> I'll just say it. He's wrong, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's, I I mean, yeah, I, I can't agree that the, yeah, The Shining isn't amazing, but... I mean, Masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I guess maybe sometimes it's hard to see, you know, some people, uh, you know, uh, handle your work. But it's just weird that he's so, 
like insistent on it when there's been so many other like bad adaptations that he doesn't seem to hark on but um, yeah i guess for me it's just a weird and part of it comes to the, 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 the talking about the pacing and talking about how you can just cut out some to get the runtime down. But even just without, even if the runtime wasn't too long, even if it was just mm-hmm. looking at the story, it felt weird to me to spend this time in the film to like have him kind of turn over a new leaf and sort of fix his life, only for him to then have to kind of go through the story after that anyway. And I know what you're saying about, okay, it's dealing with his severity and he's kind of after he's already dealt with that. But you don't necessarily have to show it. You can kind of just have him start sure. with like, yeah. you know, uh, you, you could have really sped that portion of the film up, if not cut almost almost all of it entirely. Um, so, yeah, I think that's like one of the faults of like Flanagan is like he does seem to be, uh, at least you know with the adaptations of like King and stuff that we've seen, is he's kind of like faithful to a fault. Uh, but it doesn't bother me because I <laughs> since I love the books and stuff, it's like uh, yeah, please adapt as much as you can. Yeah. Although, uh, I mean, in this, it kind of disproves that, though, because, again, the ending, you know, kind of veers wildly from the book, but... <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, so I will give a spoiler... Well, maybe not wildly, but, you know, it's there's differences. <laughs> yeah. I will give a spoiler warning then, so we can talk about uh, what's in the movie. Um, so full spoilers from this point on. Although I will just say, um, patreon.com slash TV. If you want to support Streams After Midnight and everything we do, you head over there and give us as little as $1 per month, and you get a bonus episode every month. Uh, you get an exclusive bonus episode. Um, we've got a doozy coming up in November for you, so look forward to that. <laughs> Uh, but we did, we did actually, we did a lot of them. We did four in uh, October for Octoberthon. Uh, but typically you get one per month. There's a back catalogue now of about 11 or 12 of them. Um, and that's just the $1 per month. At $5 you get to vote and stuff. At the higher tiers you get other things. So uh, please do go and have a look and see if you want to support everything we do. But uh, yeah, we'll get on to, into spoilers. So yeah, so I think and then we'll talk about everything that kind of goes back to The Shining because I feel that's the stuff we want to talk about first. That's, that's kind of one of the big talking points is the, the way they put some of this the shining into this and i'll say one of one of the benefits of of correctness to the shining is the use of the the music and that that, that basically mainly that thumping whenever the mm-hmm. the shining ability is being used and it's like boom boom yeah like that's good it gives it a bit of a tone and it, it does that um but here's the thing so i i like two minutes into this i went I bet we go back to the Overlook Hotel in the last act. <laughs> and sure enough. Now, I actually didn't hear it when it came up because I like the idea of like, okay, we've got this evil shining person, right? This evil shiner, or whatever we call them, right? The psychic vampire rose. It's like, hey, she's really powerful. Although I think at this point they kind of ruined how powerful she felt because Abra kind of beat her on her own like like half an hour earlier it was it felt like wait why is she why are you so scared of her like she beat her already you can and you now you're together you'll beat her for easy peasy yeah no uh, that's definitely fair and i think the problem is uh because I, I think it's okay to beat her and i do like the idea of um uh abra being like proactive and like you know she's cool she's kicking ass like i like that aspect of it but um i, I think the problem with that though is you never see like rose really like um like i th- I think it'd be okay for her to get hurt but then you still gotta do something to show that like okay but i'm still a threat like i'm still you might have hurt me but i can still do this or that which so you should be afraid like i, I feel like we don't don't really see that yeah she lost all her mistake for me after that because i was like well she can be beat there's not nothing no no it just felt like well, I get the whole idea of doing this as an extreme measure. It's like, hey, 
the overlook feeds on people kind of like these vampires do yeah if we, if, if we lure her there they'll feed on her and you know we'll win and you know, we'll use it against her i like that plot idea i just didn't really believe she was a threat enough to justify doing it <laughs> so sure yeah no, no that's a good point and i yeah i yeah i feel like maybe they should have just had something else with her because uh, like yeah, we don't really get too much about the extent of her power other than, like, <clears throat> we see that she can kind of, like, flow out of body uh, and stuff. Uh, but, you know, you don't really get much else. Like, I guess maybe she's kind of, like, strong and, and I stuff think that, she has that fight at the end. But. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I don't like is a sequel to The Shining is, like, how much they show stuff like that. It's, like, you're showing me just straight-up supernatural things happening where in The Shining it was always kind of implied. It was always kind of, like... You know, we never really catch a glimpse of something that extreme happening on on camera, kind of thing. You know, um, yeah. and I, I think showing someone floating through the sky, as visually interesting as it may be, feels a bit hokey compared to The Shining. And I, that that for me is where it is a bit of a separation. But they get to the, they get to the Overlook, and you know, and I I don't really blame them for doing it. They go in, and this, this is because, and it's it's really this. It's like no, this is a sequel to The Shining. No matter what you say now, the fact that they're using sure. the, the Overlook and the plot, and it's a, a big part to play here means that no that we're using that um so and you know danny's looking around i, I did think it was a bit fan servicey when he goes into the room where the axe was used and he's looking through the thing and you know like all those moments felt a bit fan servicey especially since i felt like it like it's been like 40 years i feel like it would be a bit more rough looking than this like i thought it was weird how the typewriter in the main hall still had a bit of paper in it and the paper looked kind of fine i'm like no nah, paper doesn't the paper doesn't True. last well <laughs> like that yeah. not over 40 years no totally like yeah it should have been a little more decrepit and had like you know cobwebs and, and stuff falling down but then i mean again though i don't know if you want to make some type of justification you know we're saying like oh it's whatever power was there maybe supernatural maybe it yeah. was, there was a little bit enough left to kind of preserve it just a tiny bit but well, yeah, the, no, that is which was fine for the, the the lights coming on i was i was fine to swallow that for the electricity running <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah sure whatever um but yeah so he's looking around um and they have this big standoff uh, eventually of course but the big thing that happens before that is when he eventually goes into the ballroom and we have the the bar scene you know it kind of mirrors the <laughs> scene from the original film and yeah. we don't we don't see the barman right we, we just see the hand coming in and he's talking to him and he starts talking to him as if it's his dad and I thought this is so smart not to show him because if they show someone who's meant to be Jack Nicholson and he's not Jack Nicholson, this is going to feel terrible. Five <laughs> seconds later, they show him and it's not Jack Nicholson, and it it just if this makes it feel like a fan movie to me, seeing someone with his hair kind of like dressed to look like Jack Nicholson in the original film. I think yeah. honestly, I know you said earlier how much you hate this, but I honestly think the smart tactic here would be to get someone who can do the voice, not look like him, just do the voice. Because that's the other thing, Jackson has a very specific voice. So, yeah. they should have had someone who could do the impression, don't show him, just see the hands, just, you know, have it, have here, have the voice, let it be off camera. And I think that would be fine on its own. If you really want the visual, honestly, one quick shot at the end, you know, the sh that shot from the side that they have there for a lot of the scene, do that briefly at the end. And yes, use CGI, put jack nicholson in there at the right age <laughs> and i say that having seen terminator dark fate where it kind of worked for one scene like i've seen it done well enough and yeah. if it's just one thing where he stopped talking and he's not moving and it's just young jack nicholson staring at him i could have loved with that having this actor who does not sound like jack nicholson who is made to look like him as best he can with the hair but is just not delivering the lines in quite the same way really especially later on see, see when um 
uh, Astra's or not Astra, sorry, Abra's running around <laughs> the, the hotel, and you know he, he's limping around. This actor, uh, you know, as Jack from the movie with the axe, and he's sort of limping. He's like, he's like Danny or whatever. I'm like, no, this is just you're, you're uh, taking me out of this. I feel like someone's uh, doing a bad impression. Um, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't. Uh, well, uh, I, I agree. Like, it probably would be a little bit more powerful if you never actually see the actor like that probably would be a, a pretty moving scene, but, um, I, I don't know. It, I, I don't know what else to really say other than like, it didn't bother me. Like I, um, I, I don't know. I thought they did a good enough job with like, you know, like he, he looked enough like him for me and, you know, sounded like close enough where, I don't know. It just, I, again, I, I wouldn't like, you know, for people that say like yeah they didn't like that i wouldn't be like oh you're crazy you're wrong or anything like no i can see why that would upset you but for me it just didn't work i think maybe it was because of the um maybe like the the like kind of the power of the scene because i think it is like a really good scene like again you know you have uh because you know his dad dies so early he never gets this chance to confront them and like talk about his issues and to kind of have it there, it felt very cathartic and, you know, like, and again, like, I like when he's like freaking out and like talking about like, oh, like, you know, this is your medicine, take your medicine and kind of echoing back to it and take your medicine. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, uh, it, it worked for me. I, I liked it. Th- thematically, then, uh, it was the idea that his dad, who was a drunk, try to convince his son who's now sober to be a drunk again. And he yeah. refuses it and says, no, I'm not going to, there's power in that scene. But yeah. I just, I think showing this guy who, yeah, I don't know, something about it just feels kind of cheap. And I, I think it cheapens the Is, moment. Was this Henry Thomas that played him? I I could be wrong, but I thought I, because I, I didn't recognize him as that, but I thought I heard that that was him. Let me uh, check. Also, Jacob Tremblay, I just saw his name there. He was like in a really small role. He, oh. he's, he, he's like a oh, baseball yeah, he kid. A baseball he, gets, kid. Uh, yeah. he gets killed. Just uh, I'm just looking for the name of the credits here. I assume they have it down here. Yeah, it's Henry Thomas. Yeah, it's another uh, Flanagan. Uh, you're right. I never uh, recognized him, but you're right. Stalwart. I yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think I I wouldn't have known that because I think I heard someone else mention that. I was like, oh hey. Um, but no, I mean, again, I'm not gonna disagree with you. Like I yeah, people that say, oh yeah, this is stupid, it's fan servicey. It's like yeah, I I can't argue with you, but I don't know, maybe I like it too much or or something that it just you know it it kind of it didn't i I don't want to necessarily say like oh no it worked for me but i would at least say it didn't bother me i mean that's fair i you know and then you know the psychic battle uh essentially where because they sort of lure into his mind instead of abra's that's the whole point here because she's been in abra's mind before but of course in danny's mind which is set up early on is that to fight all these ghosts that kept coming for him as a kid after the overlook uh he was taught by oh i forget the character's name from the first movie uh, uh dick halloran yeah halloran um who appears to him as a ghost in this to give him some advice a couple of times uh he's kind of his moral compass a few points um he teaches him how to kind of trap them in boxes in his mind so they kind of lure her into the maze the idea being that she's going to like unlock all these boxes and unleash all these ghosts on herself which is kind of what happens and i think the plan is fine i think sometimes though again visually it just felt a bit too fantastical for me for what i think of as the shining i think it would be a bit more restrained a bit more 
uh, classy. Um, and, and the scene, and the one, that, the part that really bothered me though is when the ghosts all appear yeah. and they're on the stairs and they're all just staring at her, and then they all put their hands on her, and it's like this it's CG like thing, yeah, skin. where it's going through yeah. her skin, and she kind of, you know, and we have all the ghosts from The Shining like breathe, breathing in this steam that we've been seeing all movie, but I don't know something about the visual of these ghosts actually like sort of sucking in steam <laughs> as if they're like getting off on it. It just really felt, I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, one thing I do like about it is I do like, and uh, and again, for you know these stories that are all about addiction and stuff, I like that the bad ca- the bad guys are these vampires who like they are addicted to it. Like, yeah, you know, the steam is like a drug. So I like the visuals early on of the vampires, like when they're getting into the steam. I like that, but I agree, I didn't like with the when the ghosts are into it, especially because it never felt like that's what they were about like in the shining like it seemed like in the shining they kind of just wanted to i guess maybe just exist like it seems like they were attracted to danny who had the shine because they it kind of like powered them and made them you know like more yeah i mean i'll, I'll uh, take that they can feed off of it maybe but like sure, I, yeah. they, it's not like they've got physical bodies so why are they sucking it in like they do have physical bodies like yeah you know it just it feels really kind of <laughs> It feels like the most laziest way to show this. It just doesn't make sense when you actually stop and think about it for more than a minute. Uh, so that's kind of rough. No, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I do. I do agree with that. Like I, again, like I wouldn't necessarily say uh, I hated it, but yeah, it definitely like, wasn't my like favorite thing. But I was, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, I guess that's the way you're gonna do it. Yeah, like I said, just to be positive for, but it did kind of win me over in the middle because I think. You know, when we meet Abra and she's kind of like communicating like a pen pal to, to Danny, who, and we should talk about Danny, like he gets this job as an orderly at a, a hospice uh, with all these old people who are dying and they kind of set up this Doctor Sleep thing where the cat will sort of like know who's going to die because the cat's got the shine apparently. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, yeah. It's like a real thing too though, like you hear those stories like, oh, you, uh, do. you know, about, yeah, these animals and like nursing homes that can always seem to tell when, you know, someone's time is up. Yeah. But and it says up this thing where Danny kind of like gives them comfort before they die because he can sort of like read their mind and like talk about their past with them and it gives them this peace and they start calling them Doctor Sleep because of that. But here's the thing: I actually almost feel like you didn't need this in the movie because that this to me was like his payoff. But he now he's giving back in some way. He's doing something, you know. As as a, a Hurley Pussy later on, he has a debt to pay. And I felt like this was him already paying his debt, and this was like his nice thing to like, you know, like do something good for people. So I almost felt like again, you could just cut this out because it felt weird to give him this happy kind of conclusion and then bring in the other stuff where that's when the main plot really kicks in. It felt like a separate little mini story before we got there to me. But I actually, but the main story I actually quite like because once it gets to the idea where they kidnap Jacob Tremblay, the, the vampires, and they kill him, and it's very brutal for a, mur- a child murder scene to be honest. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, she, she's, when, when he's like screaming, like mm. that was like really harsh. <laughs> yeah, and his blood, because by the end of it, he's covered in blood and stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, oh, and well, yeah, and one of the things like the vampires say, uh, and I forget if he asks like um, if it's gonna hurt or if they're just telling him, but like, um, so no, you know, obviously, no, he does ask. He asks because she just says yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, because because one of the things is, uh, so it's not enough for them that they feed on this steam, but also just the fact that pain and fear like kind of um you know makes it better like it's like food you know that's kind of like uh you know gives it like a higher quality or makes it more appetizing or whatever so it's like yeah not only are we going to kill you but we need you to be as 
in as much pain and fear as possible because that makes it like better. So it's like so, so much more brutal. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really rough. But from that point on, because then it became this, um, this moral thing for Danny where he didn't want to get involved. You know, Abra investigates it, finds out where this kid came from, comes to see Danny using her powers to sort of like sort of direct herself to him. And he wants nothing to do with it. But then Hurley kind of convinces him that he should. And they become a team. And it it was basically this choice to try and save other people who are being hunted. And the idea that, okay, these super vamps, you know, psychic vampires need like the big bad and lead this hero. Because one of the things that they didn't really sell for me, actually, that, that I thought they should have, is at the end when uh, Rose finally comes face to face with Danny and, re- and she realizes that Danny has this much power. It was like she's like, how did we miss you? And I thought, yeah, yeah. I should have really, th- you know, put more into that. Like this idea that he is this powerful and that they somehow missed them, and what sort of a big deal that is to her. Like, I don't know. I felt like that should have been played up a bit more. But well, I, I, I guess uh, that's fair. But I mean, if I had to, you know, make uh, some type of, you know, guess or justification for it, I would assume that probably part of it is like. Um, like at, he was probably trying to like deny and hide his abilities as much especially like you know after everything that happened at the overlook hotel like obviously oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not um complaining that she, they, they, i'm not complaining the fact that they did they, they did miss him i, I think that makes sense because they even say at one point that if they suppress it with medication or something like that it can yeah. dampen it and make him harder to find and uh ruins his steam a little bit i, I just mean her realization of like that there was this powerful shiner like mm. existing that they somehow missed this whole time. Like, I feel like it should just be a bigger reaction from her. I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I really agree with that. I kind of like the way she delivered it. Uh, maybe it's just the uh, the actress, which um, I don't know if I recognized her from anything. But I thought she was great. And I uh, she was like... in a Mission Impossible five and six, the last two. Um, uh, I've never seen. Been some other stuff. <laughs> um, actually, I did have a weird thing with her accent. She started off Irish in this flashback where she uh, takes the little girl because we get a scene where the interest is her in nineteen eighty, the same year as The Shining, uh, and it's them taking this little girl. Um, she's like completely Irish in that scene, and then the next time we see her, it's like she's just American, and then there's like bits where she sounds English. Her accent was going all over the place uh, throughout this movie. And I, I don't know. I didn't really notice it. Maybe I have to uh, go back, <laughs> <laughs> pay more attention. But, Americans. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I thought she was great, and I kind of liked the. I don't know, just the, the way like she delivered her lines. Like, I mean, that line specifically when she's like, "Yeah, how did I miss you?" Like, I, I don't know. I actually kind of like the way she did it because uh, she has kind of a creepy almost kind of like reserved way like you know she's not like an over-the-top like cackling kind of villain uh so i kind of like that choice that she made um and like especially in in this scene i like uh which again like you know people could probably complain about it being like fan service or whatever but i liked uh in that scene how she's like going up the stairs like similar to you know that like the from the shining with like uh jack and wendy but yeah, yeah, there was definitely some uh, imagery being involved. Even early on, when he's when he's uh, talking to the doctor, who I thought was going to be a bigger part of the movie, actually, when they introduced him. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he is uh, uh, actually uh, a bigger part in the book. I... Uh... I, th- I think he's because they kind of have like, you know, their little band of like, you know, Abra's dad and his friend Billy Freeman that kind of go and like attack the <clears throat> uh, true knot. And I, I could be wrong, but I think the doctor was like part of that in the book. But yeah, okay. kind of just that makes sense. Yeah. 
doesn't do as much in the uh, um, movie, which uh, the, the doctor though played by is it Bruce Greenwood, I yeah. believe. But you know, another uh, Flanagan guy. He was from uh, he's the titular Gerald in Gerald's game. He was. He was also Pete in the newer Star Trek movies. Uh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> After rep Star Trek, I know Tara will be upset if she hears this, and I've not mentioned Star Trek, uh, especially your bad. Literally, thing. everyone else will be happy when you don't <laughs> mention it. <laughs> um, apparently, my cat thinks it's my time because he's uh, closing up to me. <laughs> uh, well, it's good knowing you. <laughs> but I mean, like I, uh, yeah, like I, I really, like, I mean, I don't. Know, I guess yeah, you probably could have cut it, whatever. But I really liked that those scenes, and honestly, I got like kind of emotional that first you know person that he, he helps out i actually thought it was like really touching like you know when he's kind of like talking about how he doesn't want oh, to no, go there's, and how there's, he's afraid there's nothing wrong with the scenes on their own it just once this actual story got going later if it felt like oh we didn't really need those earlier scenes we've, yeah. we've kind of done a different version of this uh but like the no the actual like teaming up and them coming to like uh help abra uh he convinces his friend of course and they show up to help and i do appreciate that they had you know her dad sort of question hey why do you know this this middle-aged man uh and why are you friends with my daughter which actually reminds me of another section of the movie at the start which i got the purpose of it was to really establish you know who this 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 group were but uh i thought that snakebite andy who's like their newest member was going to be a bigger part of the movie because they spend so much time introducing her and like because they, they have this introduction scene where they show that she was using her power to kind of trap like predators like you know men who were looking for like teenage girls and she steals his money and like you know makes them uh well she stabs him in the, the the cheek to make it like a snake bite which is why she gets her name um, and then they kind of recruit her and it's like through her we get all the exposition of okay who are we how does this work uh, we see them like use the steam and so on and so on and she's with them for the rest i thought it was just kind of weird to hold off and i, I don't have a problem with that, those scenes i think they're all valid because they do explain a lot mm-hmm. to us about who they are even though at this point in the movie i was kind of thinking to myself what the hell is this what's happening <laughs> um, but i did think it was kind of weird how they spend so much time in her and then for the rest of the movie she's just kind of there and then she just dies in the same scene as everyone else there's no nothing special about her for the rest of the movie she's just one of them yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things where you get more time with her in the book. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the movie's already so long. I think it's just a matter of, like, you know, can't really do everything. And uh, But, yeah, I, I guess it is kind of weird that, you know, she does seem like a bigger deal. And then it's just gone. Like, because they really, they, you know, take out so many, like, pre- pretty much, like, everyone in kind of, like, this one, like, big attack. Yeah. Because it's up an ambush, you know, uh, Abra, like, sets up a sort of, like, psychic ambush where they think she's there, but it's actually just a little teddy bear, a little bunny, whoever it is, and they're just, uh, you know, Danny and his, his buddy, uh, Billy, uh, just are, are waiting with their rifles to take them all, take them all out. So it's a bit of a shootout. I wasn't expecting a shootout in a Shining sequel, I have to admit, <laughs> but... Um, they, all, they all dust upon death. Uh, oh, it's really dark at the end, though, because... Uh, uh, Snakebite, as she's dying, says one last like thing, and she makes Billy kill himself. She says, "You know, kill yourself," and he just he does it, and Danny yeah. can't get to him in time. So that's great. It was a dark moment. Um, yeah. But I actually, I, I really like the friendship between Danny and Abra. I like the idea of her like basically awakening the idea of like, hey, you can do something good here. Like, I'm not willing to let these people kill people, kill kill others. We should do something about it and be heroes. I like that yeah. part of it. I do. Oh, totally. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not as a Shining sequel. It's a little, little bit weird but <laughs> in that sense. But as a story on its own, I kind of get into that. And I was actually kind of enjoying it 
after I got over my initial what the hell is this uh, <laughs> for a chunk of it. And then the ending kind of went down again for me because it started doing all the CGI and like the, I guess a little bit too much fan service and the, the Jack Torrance who's not Jack Nicholson and all those things. Uh, man, one thing like it, it's like, you know, it, it kind of hurts my brain trying to think about all of the stuff they're going to have to explain like at the end of this movie like yeah what like what's the credit rolls and like the people go on with their lives like there's so many dead bodies and (laughs) stuff like imagine being the you know like the mother who you come home your uh you know uh husband's dead and then yeah abra's father stabbed to death yep because your daughter uh, is with this like random adult that you've never met before. It's like yes, but he he, he dies in the, the hotel because the movie ends with oh, uh, yeah, that's true, Danny yeah. like kind of yeah. sacrificing himself to like take the house down and sort of end it. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. We, and, uh, I, I think this is one thing that's kind of interesting is they basically uh, do the ending of the Shining book in Doctor Sleep because the how the book ends in the Shining is. Um, you know, there's this through line of like the boiler um, needing to be regulated. And then um, the end of the movie, like Jack forgets to do it. So he has to go down there and then um, to like release whatever the pressure so it doesn't explode. But then he kind of has this cathartic moment where he, um, you know, kind of regains his composure and is like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm going to let this house or hotel die or whatever. And he lets it explode. Uh, so it's funny how they basically took like the ending of the Shining book and then put it in here. Yeah, it's funny, but he actually still comes and talks to Abra just like he was spoken to before, um, and it's kind of like I like the message of the movie because the, the ending is not only has he helped her kind of fight back against these like evil ghosts and stuff like like he had to, but she she, she he also kind of like says, hey, you shouldn't hide who you are. You should be proud of it, and you should let your your parents know because there's a big thing throughout the movie where she kind of her parents know she has abilities because you know she did that whole thing when she was younger with the, the spoons where all the spoons were on the ceiling but yeah. she kind of keeps it quiet so they're, they're not scared of her so that they think she's normal and at the end of the movie you know she says no hey i'm like i was talking to like uh danny like the ghost was talking to me and i have spoken to dad and he's okay too and her mother kind of smiles and accepts it, and it's like, you know, not this awkward thing. So it ends in this sort of empowering moment where, because the final shot, of course, is the the bathtub lady, uh, <laughs> much like she was showing up for Danny, showing up for Abra now, yeah. uh, because she was hiding on room 237. There's a whole moment in the, the hotel where she has to run in there. Um, yeah. I will say I'm not super fond of Danny turning into, like, Jack with the axe and chasing her around. Wasn't yeah, fond of that. I- yeah, I wasn't crazy about that either, uh, to be fair. Yeah. Like, or, or, I don't know, at the very least, maybe, I don't know, show more of a struggle or something. Like, it, it does seem like a very, you know, quick turn or whatever. Um, you know, especially when, like, you know, if you look at the Shining movie, it's it's not like he was chasing them with an axe, like, the second, you know, he got in there. But, I mean... You know, you'd probably say maybe everything is amped up because there's so much whatever psychic power. Or yeah, whatever, it just, know, it, but... it felt like she just talked him down as well. And I like the idea of him being talked down and like regaining control. But um, it's, it just I never felt like it was really like if we'd seen him kind of like struggle a little bit, like you say, and sort of then go crazy, but then he kind of fights back and and whatever. It all, but it also kind of it does this weird thing though, where it kind of goes against what the first movie was. And I know we're in this murky way because we have both the book and the movie to deal with, but. In, in the first movie, it never really felt like it. the ghost just made Jack go crazy. Like, he already had it in him anyway. Sure. Uh, yeah. In this movie, 
well, he has his demons, he never felt like he was vicious, he was never bad to people, he was never, you know, the worst thing he was going to do at the start was steal someone's money when she was passed out. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, I, yeah, honestly, this is probably like the one thing, yeah, I, I didn't really like, because you can still have him like sacrifice himself, you know, um, or something, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel like, I, I think maybe it would have been a little better to show that he was like above this, like, you know, not succumbing to demons, especially after all he's like been through at this point and, you know, been able to, uh, you know, like not kind of go back down these roads or whatever, but yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> so you know i like i like big chunks of it in the middle um i just think there's a lot of stuff he cut out i think the ending is a bit too hokey there's, there's several things that are a bit too hokey actually but um i do like the characters and i like you know i, I like danny i like uh, his friend billy i like abra a lot um do you like uh ewan mcgregor's performance yeah he's all right um yeah. Oh, I wouldn't write home about it, but it's you know it's fine. Like you didn't, you know. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, obviously, it's like <clears throat> I think you know you can like you can pretty much do anything with the character because like you know we've only seen him when he was like whatever five years older, mm. however old he was at the beginning. So it's not like there's a lot of like traits and stuff you need to like kind of bring back or whatever. But I kind of like that he was kind of like a subdued person you know like he you know wasn't like this big over the top excitable guy or something i, I don't know i kind of like the I, I, don't, I don't know the the way he kind of went about it yeah actually so the thing i was gonna say earlier about uh imagery from the shining obviously before we get to the hotel where everything looks like the shining um but uh they intentionally when he was talking to the doctor in his office it was very much like the job interview at the start of the, oh, yeah. the shining it was very he was sitting in the same chair that jack was there was two chairs on the other side there was all very similar laid out. I just I wanted to point that out because it was oh, yeah, there. Sure. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I mean, I, I like the cast for the most part, though. Uh, Zan McLaren, like I say, I like a lot. Uh, Ferguson's solid. I think the script does kind of make her feel weak as the movie goes on. The character that is, um, and I don't think however good she is can kind of win that back. Unfortunately, um, I like uh, Kaylee Curran who plays uh, or Kylie Curran, Abra. sorry, who plays Abra. I thought she was really good, especially because at one point uh, Danny kind of like projects through her to talk to oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to Crow and I thought that was a really good scene um, yeah that was really good um, How, what do you think about like the um, kind of like the effects of the vampires like when they would kind of get like a, these like silver look in their eyes uh, um, once, I, once I kind of accepted it it was fine again it's one of those things where it's a little bit hokey for what I think of as the shiny I don't think of the shiny having yeah. these effects and having like these like because I, I in the first movie i talked a lot about how all on one or two things you could almost argue that none of it's real and it's all just him going crazy and it's all okay. just a representation uh whereas here it's like no no this is a supernatural movie there's like psychic people all over the world and there's you know like it's a lot more kind of just straight up this is happening this is the world we're in um and one of the things i like about the shining is it feels so cut off and isolated and it feels so so much like you know, like you, you kind of like lose some of the mystique once you say, "No, there's just lots of people like this, and there's all this like interconnecting, and there's, I don't know, there's, 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 there's something you lose there." But I mean, on its own, it's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it looked kind of cool. Like, again, it's not like super over the top. Like, uh, yeah, they just get like you know, 
uh, this kind of like creepy, like, uh, yeah, like soulless, like look in their eyes. And then, you know, I thought it was kind of like cool when they die. Um, and you're seeing like, uh, and I kind of like these weird like glimpses of their, I don't know, like skeletons and stuff. And then they just evaporate in the steam. But again, it does like make me wonder though, like, all right, so there's going to be like, no, there's going to be all these like <laughs> dead humans, but like no bodies that people can kind of like, you know, pin it on. Well, I, I <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think the dead vampires matter because they, because it's disintegrate and because they were around for a long time and then presumably had no like records or were off the grid True. and yeah. so on. Um, I mean, maybe like snake bite because she's only been there for eight years is still missing and but no one's looking for some of the others because I mean it's implied that the old guy, you know, the fireman from Twin Peaks, it's implied that he was around like for a thousand years or something like that yeah. <laughs> uh so no no one's looking for him now like his his original identity's long been lost and you know so on so <laughs> that's what it is um so i don't want to be too harsh because i i think it's fairly well directed although it isn't anything close to the shining let me just make that clear um and I, I do think there's a lot of good stuff to like in the middle of it. I like when it became about being proactive and trying to give him this hero's journey and doing the right thing and and going after the bad guys. All that stuff I liked. Although less like a horror movie, more, more it felt more like a like a superhero movie to be honest. At that point, like yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, it's um, I think that's what's interesting about this because yeah, it doesn't. The Shining is obviously very much a a horror movie, and this uh. There's definitely horror elements into it, but it feels like it's ab- about like <laughs> kind of a, a lot of other different stuff. Like, you know, like I, I wouldn't say it's not a horror movie, but it's also like mixing in a lot of other kind of genre stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that, uh, that stuff is good, um, but it's too long. Uh, some stuff that I would cut out. Uh, de- I, I, I honestly would just excise it from The Shining and just come up with a different ending and um you know take all that stuff out but if you're going to have it like i was fine with a fair chunk of it admittedly but i do think it goes too far at the end and um yeah and i I wish that they didn't neuter the villain because there's a whole scene in the middle where like rose goes to like find abra she goes into her head but it's kind of a trap and abra wakes up and actually goes inside rosie's head which is the first time this has ever happened and from that point on she's really shaken and she gets injured and it never really feels like again that she feels like that much of a threat because of it like it never feels like you know when they make the choice to go to the the hotel it's like again i like the idea of this okay this is so bad we can use the overlook hotel as a trap that part that logic i love because it's being very proactive but i just don't believe she's actually bad enough to warrant that (laughs) so or or tough enough to warrant it i guess more accurate but yeah like maybe if you just like include like you know one other scene or whatever like I, i think it's totally fine to you know show her get hurt uh and, and i do like that it kind of sets up like you know this hubris uh for abra where she kind of thinks like you know oh yeah like i can go after these people like hey no big deal like i'll shut them down and then, there's there's that moment know. where after everyone else dies and she's pissed about it rose um like takes all the canister she's got and like ingests it all and true, if yeah. you'd shown her do something after that that showed she was like super powerful now although they never actually said that that would make her more powerful i mean even though it kind of implies it in this scene like it's always just been like no it stops her from from aging <laughs> for a while yeah. <laughs> um but i don't know it's as it is but um i guess yeah, we're ready to uh read it well, unless I, you've got well, something I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say. I, I wonder see, if that, see. I'm not drunk. 
Uh, that scene where, yeah, she does get hurt. I wonder if that was supposed to be a reference to Gerald's game because it kind of, like, she, her hands get, get stuck in this drawer and she's, like, pulling out. It's, like, yeah, her skin. skin dangles. It's not, it's not as bad as Gerald's game because Gerald, that scene in Gerald's yeah. game is absolutely, like, one of the gruesomest things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know if, like, I I, I haven't rewatched Gerald's game yet, uh, which I, I probably will uh, at some point just... Uh, if they, I don't, I don't think they ever put it out on Blu-ray. If they do, I'll definitely buy it. But um, and at least I haven't seen it. But yeah, it, it is a weird thing where if I do rewatch it, though, I, I don't know. Like, I probably won't look directly at the screen during that scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's also there's a lot of nice little uh, you know King references uh, here and there in it, which uh, you know is fun. <clears throat> All right, then uh, rating time, Timmy. Well, again. Uh, I mean, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt, because uh, you know, again, oh, I, I always uh, do. <laughs> I'm a, you know, obviously a huge, uh, you know, self-admitted, you know, King fanboy. I love Stephen King. I, you know, in the middle of like reading all of his stuff, like uh, I think I've read about fifty-ish of his books so far. Uh, I love a good majority of them, and I really love this book. And uh, again, I just think the movie did such an impressive way of, you know, melding the book and, you know, one of the most iconic movies uh, of all time. And again, you know, I totally understand the complaints and the faults and a lot of stuff you can see as, you know, being fan servicey or nostalgia grabs. And I totally get that. But at the same time, as I was watching it, I freaking loved every minute of it. Like I, you know, like none of it really bothered me. I had a, a great time and everything like really, you know, spoke to me. And, and uh, you know, I thought there was like some really touching stuff. And I love the characters and performances. And, uh, you know, there's a few things here and there maybe I wasn't super crazy about. But there's never any point where anything bothered me enough or made me angry or go like, oh, man, screw this. Uh, so I got to say I was super happy. And especially in a year when – there's been so many disappointing King adaptations. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned the movies. Uh, yeah, have not been very good. Um, we didn't really talk about it, but I'm not really digging Castle Rock season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I mean, if you want to talk about fan fiction, like Jesus, like that sh- season is just like rewriting stories left and right. But I mean, it, it's not the worst thing in the world, uh, but I'm not crazy about it. Um, so this did feel like a, a breath of fresh air. Like, yes, finally, this is like the King adaptation I wanted. Uh, so I was really over the moon when I saw it, and I can't wait to watch it again. So uh, it's not perfect like the, you know, The Shining was. Uh, you know, if you haven't watched our review of it, go, <laughs> you know, watch that. But I, I'm pretty sure we both gave it like a 10 out of 10, or mm-hmm. at least I did. But uh, so I'm not going to say it's not perfectly oh, bad. Oh, I are... For the record, I did. Okay, yeah. So, so we, yeah, we both agree that was a, a ten out of ten. So I, yeah, I can't say that's perfect, uh, like that movie. Uh, but I had just such a good time with this. I, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> nine out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Now, if I could, I would give it nineteen out of ten because that's um. You know, that's a 19 is like a repeating number in the Stephen King book. So that's like, you know, if you talk to a Stephen King fan, they know, they know what 19 is. And they did have an, uh, a nod to it in this movie because the uh, the baseball player was number 19. Um, 
So that was a nice little nod. But uh, unfortunately, because of math, I cannot uh, give it 19. So I'll just give it the 9. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not going that high, which is not a shock, I don't think. Obviously, yeah. Um, it's tough, because I think there's a lot of good things about it. But I also think this thing's kind of pulling it back. I think, ultimately... I'm going to give it a 6.5. That's fair. <laughs> which, is, which is to say that it's just, it's almost good. There's a lot of good things in it, but then stuff brought it back down for me at the end. So I'm going to say it's almost good. Yeah. Not bad, but almost good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, I mean, again, I, I recognize that. And like, I know if, uh, yeah, if, if you're not a King fanboy like me, you probably are going to have, have something more uh, in that range, but that's uh you know that's fair what's more important to you stephen king or leprechaun <laughs> well i mean I, I love leprechaun but it's such a you know it's such like a small like uh you know no, no pun intended but like you know it, it's like its own little thing it exists in its own little world like stephen king is feels so massive because there's you know so many like books and worlds and everything it, it feels very un- encompassing so i mean i gotta go with king just for the you know the amount of material alone you know where i could spend all day you know watching like whatever 50 different king movies comic books or whatever like leprechaun unfortunately you know you only have the what like eight or nine movies only eight or nine movies <laughs> that sentence just came out of tim's mouth eight or nine movies <sighs> that's not gonna last you a day <laughs> <laughs> Last you long enough. Yeah. I'm not looking forward I to doing Lep- you... I'm not looking forward to doing Leprechaun Four Tim, which is the next one we've got. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, who who knows how I feel about that one? Oh, we're gonna have some controversy. <laughs> Are you gonna be like anti Leprechaun Four? It's like, oh, this is the weakest one in the franchise. It's terrible. Well, you know, uh, I I hate sci-fi, and that is a uh, you know that is as sci-fi as the series is gonna get. It is kind of. It does feel a little Star Trekky that one, but uh, so who knows? Maybe I won't like it. <laughs> You're gonna love it. You're gonna be like, yeah, I can just, I can hear you now on that review. It's the best science fiction film I've ever made. It is. It's it transcends two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. I can hear. I can hear you right now. I can hear what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. People gotta keep watching to find out. I love how the third one was. Uh, this is the Vegas one, and then for the next one, like the space one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it follows a natural progression of, you know, I, I feel like they're doing like the typical horror franchise, but they're just speeding things up. Because mm. you know, usually you'll get the space one in like, you know, like number ten. And then he comes back Jason to Earth Wars. for In the Hood, mm-hmm. which was so yeah. successful, did a second one called Back to the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun ones. I, I think they keep it fresh every time, which is nice. Always trying to do something different. Oh well, that has been our Doctor Sleep discussion. <laughs> Somehow, some way, uh, this has been Screams After Midnight. Uh, you can let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. You can like and subscribe. You can ding the bell on YouTube to make sure you get the notifications. Uh, if you want to support everything we do, we did of course mention the uh the the Patreon earlier. Uh, but you can also rate the podcast. Uh, you can rate the podcast on apple podcast give us five stars that helps us out a lot um you can uh you know get us on twitter at screams midnight 
get our, all, all our nonsense <laughs> on there. Tim says a lot of silly things. I have to do damage control after he says silly <laughs> things. Um, so that's the whole thing. Um, and also, one of the things that uh, we're doing we're doing now is uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to be thanking our Patreon producers. Uh, okay. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Talking Superman, David Shore, <laughs> Alison M. Fordis, and Cindy Palacios for being Patreon producers. Uh, and of course, Tyler is also a sponsor of Screams After Midnight at the $10 oh. tier. So thank you very much cool. to him. Uh, so, I recognize those names. Those are all good people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you to them uh, so that has been Screams After Midnight this has been Doctor Sleep we'll be back next week with who knows what I, I don't know what's on the schedule next uh, but look forward to it um, and we'll see you then so thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching scary movies guys and we'll see you next time